Again, I'm always thrilled to see the little squares populating. It's wonderful. So let's uh, have a few minutes of, of sitting together. And remembering that <clears throat> in sitting zazen, that the nature of all things is wakefulness. That's the foundation on which we're sitting. There's nothing. Um, it, it reminds me of uh, my old days in uh, listening to um, uh, sermons in the Christian church in which I was raised when you'd hear the, the pastor say something is already accomplished. But in this case, it's already accomplished. So there's no strain or stress you can rest into and allow yourself be held by the truth of the matter, which is your nature as as wakefulness, expressing itself in embodied form. And sit with that that reality that we can share and enjoy.
vast as the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. <clears throat> I always like to remember enchanting that particular uh, verse, the verse of the robe. You know, vast is the robe of liberation. What's vast is liberation, not suffering. What's most vast is liberation. And that's what we're constantly held in and part of and moves through us and what we express. So <clears throat> our chants, um, which we've been doing some different ones, and I'm going to introduce you to another one today based on our topic. Um, they're, they're very inspiring to me. I, I love uh, chanting, whether it's after uh, meditation like we just did or in morning or evening service or sometimes in ceremonies and uh, during work practice or at meals uh, and they um, <clears throat> it, the, the chants themselves can be inspiring but it's really the effort or the energy that we bring forward to offer the chant which is important because th that's the embodiment of our aspirations and our vows of whatever realization we might have in our commitment um, to our practice, the arousal of that effort, and then using our voice in those chants. It's, it's much more important than the content of the chant sometimes. And whether we recite these things daily or just on special occasions, they, they do help like all forms to help uh, shape and and confirm and expand zazen and our other mindfulness practices. And by familiarizing ourselves with them and in doing them together, not just listening, but actually using your voice and your body, it's as if you're accessing the true spirit of Zen. Not just the content or the idea, but the spirit of Zen practice. And that's it's very important. And some of them are, are, you know, unfamiliar or the languaging may be quite unusual for you, but um, the unusualness and the, the way that they're not totally ordinary are the prompts for inquiry. And they plant seeds for, I wonder what that is, like a koan or something that invites us. And there is one of the, um, the chants that we use in um, retreat are the, the gattas or chants for meal service, for meals. And there's a part of the longer chant called the Five Contemplations. Um, and I'm going to share it just for a second so you can see it, because many of you are unfamiliar with it. And you'll see why I would like for us to use it uh, today. Uh, <clears throat> I'll pull it up for us here. <clears throat> These are the five reflections that we use in our meal chant. 72 labors brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. As we receive this offering, we should consider whether we understand its nature. As we desire the natural order of mind to be free from clinging, we must be aware of our greed. We take this food to support our life we take this food to attain the way. And our ordinary uh, meal chant, there's more that, that goes beyond this, but these are the, 
uh, the five uh, reflections that we use in our meal chant. And you can see the reason that I thought of it is because in the United States yesterday was Labor Day. 72 labors brought us this food. So I'll, I'll return to it in just a bit. But <clears throat> 72 labors brought us this food. I'm going to reflect just a tiny bit on Labor Day itself, which we celebrated yesterday because some people aren't in the United States. And, and even those of us who are, do you really know what it is? Uh, it, it's not crucial, but I thought it was interesting. And I'm going to borrow a bit from one of my favorite historians and writers, Heather Cock Richardson, which I know a lot of you. Uh, if you haven't heard of Heather Cox Richardson, Letters to an American, each day she uh, writes beautiful things. She's a history professor. And this is a, a small piece taken out of something that she wrote uh, on Monday. She said, 140 years ago, on September 5th, 1882, workers in New York City celebrated the first Labor Day holiday with a parade. And she, I, she, I thought about you, Rosemary, she said the parade almost didn't happen. There was no band and no one wanted to start marching without music. But once the Jewelers Union of Newark showed up with musicians, <laughs> The rest of the marchers, eventually numbering about 10,000 or to 20,000 men and women, fell in behind them to parade through lower Manhattan. And at noon, when they reached the end of the route, the march broke up and the participants listened to speeches and drank beer and had picnics. That's what we do, you know, on Labor Day. Other workers joined them. Their goal was to emphasize the importance of workers in the industrializing economy, the late 19th century, and to warn warn politicians that they could not be ignored. So Labor Day is a day of celebration of something our ancestors enacted. And a day of remembering their dreams as laborers. And their dream has continued to open and to close and to be torn apart and to heal just like all of life is and this is just one day we celebrate in this particular way regarding work and the humanity of workers which is all of us and lately you know i've been reminding us of our zen ancestors those who dreamed of a world of wakeful uh, compassion a world of kindness and generosity, of hard work and creativity, you know, of birth and death and grief and mercy all along the way. Along the shared path of grace, which moves in wondrous and sometimes terrifying ways, we call our life. And our ancestors created chants which they could use together as an accompaniment of everyday ordinary things like, like eating a meal, of working, and work practice in a monastery we offer chants, and meals we offer a chance. Something ordinary in this case, like eating, or our being nourished and sustaining our life. And the, the gata that we just chanted the, the, was a part of something larger from Orioki, the, the um, very elaborate meal that monastics used to use in Asian monasteries. Um, the, the one that we're using was adapted from, from Dogen in, in the 13th century, but in the 8th century, Baijong used to say, a day without work is a day without eating. A day without work is a day without eating. It was a monastic, kind of a punchy thing that, that said, if you're going to be nourished by this world, offer yourself to the world. If you're going to receive the food, then engage in the, the monastery and help out. And out of all the schools of Buddhism, Zen is the one that's, I think, unique 
and viewing manual labor as an essential integral part of practice. If you go to Tassajara or I trained or other monasteries, uh, we think, oh, monastery, we're going to go meditate and, you know, study the Dharma. You do that a little bit, but most days you're working most all day long. You sit early in the morning while the kitchen is working, right, Josh? Where <laughs> That's all happening. And then you do service and then you go to work and the kitchen continues to work. That never stops, actually. And people are harvesting things and cleaning things and work in this way doesn't just provide the wherewithal for a sustenance, but offers an opportunity to practice in, in a wholehearted, mindful way. And those of you that have been work leader in retreats know this, because you begin over time to erase the dividing line between what's secular and sacred. And this is what our practice is for. When you contribute to the world with labor, we ask ourselves, you know, have I offered myself? Have I contributed to the process of realizing my, my wakefulness and the wakefulness of others through our vows and our intentions through Sazen and wise and compassionate activity in the world? In the Ehe Shingi, which is the instructions to the cook that Dogen wrote, specifically for the for the kitchen, that part of labor in the monastery. Um, he talked about treating all the ingredients with equanimity. But remember, this is a an analog for the whole world, for all of our lives. He's just talking about the instructions for the Tenzo. It's a model of all labor, of all work, in the spirit of deepening practice. Uh, I'm going to read just a brief bit from a translation, but listen to the spirit of it. He said, in preparing food, and remember, every time I say in preparing food, because we're, we're talking about the kitchen, think of in living your life. And preparing food, never view it from the perspective of usual mind or on the basis of feeling tones. If you have only wild grasses with which to make a broth, do not disdain them. If you have ingredients for a creamy soup, do not be delighted. Where there is no attachment, there can be no aversion. Do not be careless with poor ingredients. And do not depend on fine ingredients to do your work for you, but work with everything with the same sincerity. Work with everything in your life with the same sincerity. A rich buttery soup is not better as such than a broth of wild herbs. In handling and preparing wild herbs, do so as you would the ingredients for a rich feast, wholeheartedly, sincerely, clearly. When you serve the monastic assembly, they and you should taste only the flavor of the ocean of reality, the ocean of unobscured aware wakefulness. Not whether or not the soup is creamy or made of wild herbs. And nourishing the seeds of living in this way, rich food and wild grasses are not separate. Wild grasses can nourish the seeds of Buddha and bring forth the buds of the way. Do not regard them lightly. So it's unusual, but you hear that he's not just speaking about food, is he? He's saying in the preparation of food, in the kitchen, this is the way to orient yourself. But that's an orientation to life. Your experience with others and of your own life should taste the flavor of the ocean of reality, the ocean of unobscured awake awareness. Why would he say that about food? We're nourishing the seeds of living in the way, capital W. And he says, you know, don't, don't disparage things that are poor and don't grab onto things that are good. It's like, well, that doesn't sound like much fun. It's kind of joyless. Um, like he's saying, pay no attention to the wonderful tastes and the pleasure of eating. Well, I don't, I don't think that's what he's actually trying to communicate. Because in fact, later on, he writes, 
this life we live is a life of rejoicing. This body, a body of joy, which can be used to present offerings to the three jewels, to Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. It arises through the merits of eons and thus its merit exceeds, excuse me, extends endlessly. Whereas we receive it, so we pass it on. I hope that you will work. There's labors. I hope that you will work and cook in this way, using this body with its fruition of thousands of lifetimes and births to create a limitless benefit for numberless beings. To understand this opportunity is a joyous heart. Because even if you've born, been born a ruler of the world, the merit of your actions would merely disperse like foam, like sparks. In other words, even if you're like a big deal, guess what? It all goes away. What's important is that you work and engage, in this case, cook, using your body, which is the fruit of many lifetimes, to benefit other beings. This is the body of joy. He even goes on later. He takes it further. He talks about love. A parent raises a child with deep love, regardless of poverty or difficulties. Their hearts cannot be understood by another. Only a parent can understand it. So he goes on to talk about this. He says, this kind of care can only be understood by those who have given rise to it and realized only by those who practice it. This kind of joy in parenting, but really he's talking about the joy of love and not just the love of a child, but the love of our life. He said, the vast heart, this vast heart, if you understand working in this way, in the kitchen or anywhere else, if you understand labors in this way, this vast heart does not regard a gram as too light or five kilos as too heavy. It does not follow the sounds of spring or try to nest in a spring garden. It does not darken with the colors of autumn. He's saying, we don't discriminate we appreciate and plunge into our life and offer it back. So with a right view and right intention, everything becomes practice. Shopping, cooking, eating, cleaning up, all labor. The whole world then emerges as this cauldron, this cooking pot for our awakening. 72 labors brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. As we receive this offering, we should consider whether we understand its nature. As we desire the natural order of mind to be free from cleaning, we must be aware of our greed. We take this food to support our life. We take this food to attain the way. For some of us, is so familiar. You know, we've said it so many times. 72 labors brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. This is an opportunity to both acknowledge the inner connectedness of all life and to express our gratitude for it in that first line. Second line, as we receive this offering, we should consider whether we understand its nature. This is an open inquiry. Has our day been aligned with our vows and intentions? Are we living out our aspirations in accord with the Dharma through the refuges and the precepts? The third line, as we desire the natural order of mind to be free from cleaning, we must be aware of our greed. Well, this is just a truncated heart of the Four Noble Truths. You know, suffering comes from clinging and aversion and liberation uh, from overcoming greed, hate, and ignorance. So meals or, or labor or an opportunity to practice non-greed, especially meals. To eat what's needed for our health and well-being, but not more. And to accept the meal as it is without comparing it to other meals we've enjoyed in the past. To be grateful for what's come our way. And the fourth and fifth are paired together. We take this food to support our life. We take this food to attain the way. 
we remember that we eat in order to live. We take this food to support our life. But just surviving is not enough. We eat to fulfill our vows and to realize the way in support of all beings. We take this food to attain the way. So Labor Day is one day in one particular way to celebrate what we must keep in mind every day. That we are here and exist by the grace of everything else and everyone else. And if you live your way into this realization, I mean, really live your way into this realization, this dynamic reality, and it continues to open to you and for you, you are necessarily going to stumble into a great, deep well of generosity, which is constantly being fed like a deep underground spring. It's refreshing and nourishing. So just for a moment, let's go back. These five reflections. Let's make them Labor Day reflections. 72 labors brought us this food. You should know how it comes to us. Innumerable things make our life possible. We should appreciate, appreciate how we come to be. As we receive this offering, we should consider whether we understand its nature. As we receive and realize the gift of our very lives, we should consider whether we understand our nature. With each breath. As we desire the natural order of mind to be free from clinging, we must be aware of our greed. As we aspire to, to lives free from suffering, we must be aware how self-centered clinging contributes to unnecessary suffering. We take this food to support our life. We take this food to attain the way. In humble gratitude, we accept what is generously offered in support of our lives and realize our lives as the way. This is our reflections for Labor Day as extensions of our, our meal chant. So I hope some of these things have brought forward uh, some reflections on your, your own life, your own uh, labors, your efforts, the spirit of your practice. And what questions do you have or areas that are your, do your aspirations match your, your hopes for your life? Or are you caught in certain ways that you want to explore? What, what comes forward? If we were, if we were walking in a nice, uh, path or we were hiking together, holding hands, what would you turn to me and, and say or ask now? Or would you walk silently, which is fine? There you go, you're unmuted now. Hello, Flint. Hello, everyone. I'm just so caught, Flint, by the first line um, in connection to Sunday evening, our head student, Don Coleman, gave his Way Seeking Mind talk, which I know you know, you were there. And um, what I talked to Don about afterwards, I was so struck with each step of the way that brought him to this moment. 
And, and essentially that's what way seeking minds are. We could call it, we could call it, what are all the steps that you think brought you to this moment? Mm-hmm. And that, that language in the reflection, 72 labors brought us this food. All of these actions, all of these, all of these moments, all of the curiosities, all of the decisions to respond to what showed up and Don had really interesting things happen that had him think, oh, I'm going to pay attention here. And as I thought about it later, I thought it's not just our curiosities because we can be quite attached to our curiosities that can take us off to all kinds of tangents, but our curiosities can alert us to whether or not it matches, as you said, matches our aspiration. Right, and our vow. And our vow. And then if it does, and it seems like a good idea, then we put our efforts or our labors into it. And And, follow it up with noticing the impact. Yes, yes. How's it going? (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. The other thing I thought of having being a woman who birthed two children and we call it labor. <laughs> um, and uh, women have line who have who have labored. Um, it, it's the same thing. What brought us to this moment? Because that labor takes over our body and there is no controlling it. Right. But mm-hmm. Somehow we're in this circumstance. So what are we going to do with it? um i just so thank you so much for a lot of threaded through there isn't there oh so much so much threaded through here yes when i thought that line which is ordinary for most of us you know we hear it all the time when we chant Mm -hmm. at 72 Uh, and you know 72 labors originally came from a monastic kind of thing but it means innumerable Mm -hmm. some of the translations don't say 72 Mm -hmm. it says innumerable innumerable Mm -hmm. it just means everything even the stuff we don't even know Mm-hmm. The way-seeking mind is only skipping on the surface in some ways, you know, of all the vast numbers of things. Yes. But touching those things is really inspiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very inspiring. Yeah. Thank you for your inspiration, Lynn. Thank you for yours and all of your labor, <laughs> all the kinds that you've done. <laughs> all kinds, all kinds. Yes, you're welcome. Yeah. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Clint. <clears throat> well, I'm, I, as you were reading from Dogen um, about the instructions for the cook, I was thinking, oh man, I am hardly never, as I lead my life, you know, in that space, you know, in that space of wholehearted awareness. And I was, you know, I, I accept that but I was kind of shaking my head at myself. And then um, when you said, you said two things, actually, one of the things you said, many things, but one of the things that you said is that we're here by the grace of everyone else. And then something after that, that I missed. And everything else. And everything else, right. And then you said uh, something about appreciating how we came to be. And it occurred to me that that's kind of an opening for me because generosity, no, well, that's not true. Gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude is, um, it, it comes very easily to me. I, I am so grateful for so many things. And, um, it, there's a softening in it. And, um, if, I and I think I can. I think I can kind of prompt myself numerous times during the day to appreciate how I've come to be, and you know, every that I'm here by the grace of everything else and everyone else. And so I think that might um, kind of actualize my being more mindful as I, as I live live my life. And I just want to thank you for that. I'll, I'll keep you posted. 
Yes. Well, gratitude is a great, it's a great door, right? That's the doorway. That's what I was going to say. So I'm glad you said it. That's the portal. Right. You know, the Dharma gate. Right. And as you step through it and you feel gratitude, you're not quite as caught in the grasping. Right. The grasping to live a, a meaningful life. Like right. Some that begins to soften, and so you right. actually begin. It's like something coming into view that wasn't you weren't so close to before. Right. Which is that primary wakeful awareness, which has actually been with you the whole time. Right. How else would you have known that you were grasping? Exactly. Right. It was reflected yeah. in that mirror. So as you step through that portal, you begin to rest. I, I'm going forward, but it's almost like you're stepping back. Back. It's it's all there. It's all there. It's always been there. Yes, the expression right. may not be in alignment with your vow, but the vow hasn't left you. Right. And the That's fundamental right. aspiration right. right there. And gratitude helps us come, return to it. Yeah. So so are you, are you noticing it right now as you as we talk? Yeah, I'm gra- I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the prompt of gratitude. You know, it's yeah, because it's, it's shifting well, as you talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's how with that's the grace of everyone and everything right. moving now here. Right, right. Thank you. So, so thank you. Yes. Hi, Jay. Hi, guys. All right, so. Um, I'm curious because um, something that was said at the beginning about the the mundane or the secular, and I'm like, is there such a thing? Can isn't everything divine? Like, how can you create a secular? You know what I mean? Like, and this is that's great, Jay. You're right on the money, man. Okay. Because you can you can get on one side and say everything is ordinary, right? I mean, everything is just ordinary, and everything is sacred and divine. You, it okay. depends on where you're standing, but it's actually what Zen practice is, is to help us see that they're not separate things. Precisely, okay. question. You're you're right on it. Okay, <laughs> I was like, uh, so we you we use you. A, a, we use those words because uh, they're sometimes called the two truths. It's like, it just depends on mm. where you're standing. You know, it looks this way or it looks that way. Um, but there's a, there's a way in which we hold the fullness of it all without having to make these distinctions. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you're, you. thank you for saying it. Thank you for underlining it for us. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate thank you. you. <laughs> And oh, by the way, I'm going to just say this. If you have uh, Don's Way Seeking Mind Talk will, is recorded, I assume, it will be available so you could hear it by connection through the Open Doors Zen Community website. It's, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful in and of itself. And also it's wonderful, uh, the voice of a black man speaking about this. So listen. Mm-hmm. I'm trying can. to There you are. Okay, great. I can't imagine many things nicer than walking with you along a country lane in the Peak District or in Devon. Just a lovely thought. Um, I loved what I loved the uh, extracts you read from Dogen about the life of joy. Yeah. But I think if I was walking along with you, I would turn to you and I would say, actually, how this, uh, how the meal chant has often uh, seemed to me and how it really landed with me uh, tonight, given the situation in England of people in a lot of poverty, a lot of people using food banks, being terrified they can't eat their food, can't eat their homes or feed their children. So how it landed on me was very, very politically. Sure. Yeah. And I and and I know I know that's narrowing it down. Well it isn't really because um 
It isn't. It felt like widening it up into an inquiry of, well, who, who, who made this food? Who delivered it to me? How much did they get paid? How much profit was made out of them? Um, what ingredients have gone into it? What exploitation of other um, communities have been involved in that? You know, mm-hmm. and and to vow really um, to try to buy my food in the most ethical way. I, th- yeah, I think that's re- really how it, it it's landed on me. Good, yeah. good, because it reaches everywhere. It doesn't stop. This kind of inquiry reaches everywhere. Yes, yes. Precisely. And an important thing to think of on the day of a brand new prime minister in the UK, wondering what will happen, if anything, who knows, you know? And it, and it, I was also thinking Labour Day, and I was thinking about where I grew up in Durham. And every year there was a Durham Miners Gala where there'd be brass bands and people would come out on the streets and there'd be speeches and, but it was a kind of expression of solidarity mm-hmm. with everybody. But it was also a protest. And as you and as you said about the American Labor Day, a kind of warning. Yes, yeah. And it's still here, isn't it? Yes. That's yes. why I said the dream of those ancestors has been built up and crushed and mended and changed. It just keeps rolling like like so much in our lives. And so it's our, we practice to attend to all of these, to keep the dreams, the beauty, and also to meet the difficulties because goodness knows they're here right now. Yes, thank you for widening our our view in that way. Thank you. And, and I was just thinking, if we were in Devon, there is the juxtaposition, a little bit like Jay was talking about, of seeing the beauty of the bluebells and smelling the wild garlic other it's like putting these two things together can you imagine that right oh i'm, I'm there as you say <laughs> i'm in those woods <laughs> exactly thanks Catherine. thanks Flynn. hi flint aloha you're back home huh Aloha, yes, I'm here. And um, I felt you waving at me across the channel. I was, you know, the where I was in Hawaii was directly across from Malachi. So I was like waving every day. So it was really, really nice. Um, This was such a rich talk. And I I just wanted to say before you even began, I'm looking at all the um, thumbnail photos of everyone and I was thinking, um, you know, it's distracting that we're not looking at our hearts, you know, because for me, I'm, you know, I feel like the visual distracts from the thing I'm most interested in. And um, yeah, so I get distracted. Do you see my heart? Yeah. Why are you not distracted? Because I feel close to you. And, yeah. and how do you do that? Because this, when you see this and I see that, I am seeing your heart. It looks like that. It moves forward like, like the flower opens up and it looks like a rosemary. Well, that's interesting like... because yeah, I think it, I get confused with um, that the visual doesn't show. The heart, it really uh, does. Sometimes but I think it doesn't, can... yeah. Yeah, yeah, sometimes so, it really does. So your tears and your tenderness to me feel a little bit like grief. Like a longing to see the yeah. heart. Yeah, absolutely. And to be seen. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of longing, yeah. And my question, if we were walking along together. Uh, on the beach? Mm-hmm, yes, on Malachi, let's say, um, would be um, as I literally end a part of my work, um, how in thinking about how to involve myself 
you know, going forward, how do I, um, I guess, make those choices with more, from a deeper level? So, so that I understand that aspiration to make them from a deep level. What's yeah. Something deeper moving with it. What's the deep thing that's moving with it? Well, I think that um, I, as I get involved in this practice, I think I get confused with what it's supposed to look like. I mean, you know, I, I'm, a, you know, I'm a, I have a history of performing, of course, I'm an older person now, so I'm not going to, you know, get up and do pirouettes. Um, but, um, you know, there are all these aspects of me um and this practice is one of them it has become one of them a really important one and um yeah i think i i uh want to ensure i guess this would be our conversation um yes. that i'm not um rejecting any of parts of me, important creative parts, for example, in my choices, in order to, you know, um, look more zen-like. You see, this is where the what we started with, with how everything looks. Well, what a, what a wise reflection you're having. You don't want to exile any part of yourself. Exactly. <clears throat> because our, our practice, if it's if this function is to open us to an open, free, compassionate life, not to restrict us. This isn't about becoming purified or, or some weird exactly. notion of religiosity, you know, it's not that at all. It's to be is to be able to do or imagine the pirouettes and cartwheels on the beach. To be free to do whatever is needed or required and to not be stuck. It's, it's a freeing up. It's not a narrowing down. Because the world needs all of you. Just like you have that longing for the world to meet you, to come to you, to see the truth of the matter everywhere. And we need to be freed up, not narrowed down. Um, I wanted to thank Kathy um for the gratitude spotlight because i felt that that might be a um a um a guiding light um in terms of this question because whatever i have whatever who i am has come from a lot of different people and a lot of different places and a lot of different encouragement and um positivity and um so I'm not making something up from nothing. No, that's the core of practice. And if you understand that, that's the guiding, that's the light that you'll follow that you're actually longing for. It's coming from your own heart and from those that like Kathy, that you hear and connect with and you begin to reflect each other. That's our job in inquiry. That's why we have all these little squares. Yeah. Thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, in terms of the equanimity and the, the bitter soup and the creamy soup, um, <laughs> like um, uh, Catherine was saying, uh, you know, our political system right now, situation, globally, everything is a pretty bitter soup and it's, it's scary. And to um, see what you said before about liberation is so vast suffering is not as vast i think you said that something like that yeah, what's what's most vast is is liberation liberation so yeah somehow that fits with the equanimity of the bitter soup and the creamy soup it's not that we don't have preferences you know i'm gonna <clears throat> next weekend after next i'm gonna be um you know teaching in a one-day retreat with the awakening together group in, in minneapolis and we're going to use the Shin Shin Ming as part of the text there. They're great ways, not difficult for those who are unattached to their preferences. 
I'd rather have a nice creamy soup than a bitter one. Absolutely. But if I appreciate that what's given to me and what's made for me, and this is what I have, and I can appreciate it, then it becomes sweet in its own way, even though it may not be the thing I prefer. So it's not that we don't notice our preferences, but we're not um, mesmerized by them. Right. By and them. I think we're not grading them, as I think you said. We're not great. There are no levels. Yeah. And if we do notice up, down, right, wrong, good, bad, all these things, a little bit like what Jay was saying, secular, mundane, or uh, spiritual, or elevated or something. We, we notice them, but once again, you don't get enchanted by them. Our dualistic mind is going to notice those things. It's not going to stop noticing. So don't think there's something wrong with you about that. Yes, we notice. Can we be the space in which all of that noticing can arise and pass away without identifying with it and getting caught? And that's the narrowing. It's more like on the front of your your top there, we move and move in circles. And those circles are open. Yeah, There's space, there's breathing room in it. It's not the straight and narrow. Thank you. Thank you for your good questions. There's a word some of you know in, in Hawaiian. Hi, Josh, come on in. Quiliana, uh, uh, which means what's your responsibility? What's your in, in life, you know? Josh? Uh, I've, been, I've been cooking uh, since you started your talk. And um, <laughs> during all the years that, that I was uh, Tenzo, I think you you get the opportunity to become an ingredient yourself, mm. um, to become part of the, the, big, the big piece of being in the kitchen. And um, I was reflecting on the book, you know, How to Cook Your Life. And um, I was thinking about how life, you know, cooks, cooks us. And um, so my question to myself is, Am I feeling as though I'm being cooked? Mm -hmm. And um, I was thinking, what a what a practice that could be to think about in your practice. Are, are you are you being cooked? Mm -hmm. um, and there's something which means there are times in which you're going to feel the heat. Yeah. Yeah. But is there is there is there some aliveness and dynamism going on mm -hmm. in the process that you allow yourself to to open to being cooked? Yeah, the alchemy of what happens to those ingredients. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I was going back, you know, as as we were reflecting at different parts of my life. You know, was I being cooked? Mm -hmm. That's so, very different than the ordinary way of saying, am I doing the cooking? Yeah, yeah. So I will take that away from this evening. Well, this, this evening here. Um, yes, so of course, of course. Thank you so much. Yes, I always remember that moment of handing over my copy of the Tenso Kyokan to you and, mm. Mm. and saying, you might want to read this. Yeah. <laughs> and look how you've been cooked. <laughs> Yeah. Lately, you've even had a little, <laughs> it yeah. seemed like it. You don't see it so much now, but. No, it's, it's healing. It's Good. healing. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for all the labors that you brought to us all those years and still do. Thank you. As a, uh, a way of um, completion today. So let's uh, say these together. 72 labors brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. As we receive this offering, 
we should consider whether we understand its nature. As we desire the natural order of mind to be free from cleaning, we must be aware of our greed. We take this food to support our life. We take this food to attain the way. Innumerable things make our life possible. We should appreciate how we come to be. As we receive the gift of our lives, we should consider whether we understand our nature. As we aspire to live to lives free from suffering, we must be aware how self-centered clinging contributes to unnecessary suffering. In humble gratitude, we accept what is generously offered in support of our lives and realize our lives as the way. For going along with me on a different path there, a different, little different ride today, and for being here today, and for all the wonderful things that each of you have brought. And Jessica? Abamata's programs and facilities are supported through your generosity and your support makes a huge difference. There's a link on the website for contributions and I'll put that in the chat now. If you can stay around for the after inquiry, please feel free to do so.